Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oh Yeah, That's Great. This is a podcast hosted by myself, Ryan Cody, and my co-host, Bill Hall. And uh, we've been hearing from people who like the podcast, but they don't necessarily want to listen to all the music. Um, or they just want to hear Bill and I chat and, and kind of discuss that week's topics and tell some stories. So if you're one of those people who has no interest in listening to the music on the podcast, or you don't want to sign up for Spotify or don't want to listen via Spotify, this is the podcast for you. If you see remix in the title, that means it's just Bill and I talking. No tracks are played and you can listen to it on whatever podcast platform you choose. Um, so yeah, that's two ways to listen to the podcast. If you want to listen to the music, hop on Spotify. You can listen to the music. If you don't want to listen to the music, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your your uh, your podcasts. So uh, please enjoy. This is Bill and I, the start of season two, talking about Pulp's Different Class. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's great. We're a podcast where we talk about uh, the music that we love. Bill and I met at a record store. Speaking of love, we met at a record store <laughs> in 1995. We've been friends ever since, and uh, this is the podcast where we talk about some of our favorite bands and some of our favorite songs. Uh, Spotify premium listeners can listen to the entirety of the songs. Non-premium members only get a 30-second tease, but hopefully that's enough to send you to the artist's website or to your local comic or comic shop, yeah. your local record store. Yeah, they might not have it at every comic shop, but some they might. <laughs> some comic shops yeah. might have records. And, uh, and check out these bands, and uh, if they're touring near you, support them and go see them. I just bought tickets this morning. For what? Uh, Liz Fair is playing Exile in Guyville all the way through, <sighs> along with a Greatest Hits set. Dang. Uh, at Marquee Theater. Oh, that's awesome. I just got tickets, too, for a show what with show one of the bands from uh, uh, a podcast coming up in the future. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, Squeeze. Oh. With, with the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting, man. Yeah. It is exciting. Live music's exciting. Uh, you can email us at oytgpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at oytgpod. All right, man. So today we're talking about what I think might be a perfect album. Mm. Um, and also, I had a little list here of, or, or one other example of a, a nearly perfect album that I love by a band that I don't really listen to their other catalog. Oh, like I Pulp is kind of sandwich. You got his and hers, and you got uh, this is hardcore. This is hardcore kind of sandwich, different class. Yeah, but I didn't. I tried to listen to early Pulp, and it's yeah. like too like art rocky and weird. Yeah, and it, like, is, it is. It is strange, right? Yeah, and they don't yeah. know what they really want to be they until the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, totally less focused. It kind of got the grunge or not grungy, but like gothic. Yeah, like thing yeah, happening. like they're trying to dip their toe into everything. But mm-hmm. the other example I thought of was Violator. I love Violator, but I don't listen to any other Depeche Mode albums. Oh, really? Yeah. I uh, I like all the Depeche Mode albums, even though I don't listen to them that often. Yeah. Every time they come on, I'm like, oh, love this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, different class. Why don't you talk about how we all fell in love with this album? Okay. Yeah, I remember this one really well because I had uh, I was working at Surf City Squeeze and Zia at the same time. I was trying to uh, uh, live. <laughs> so I thought that was like my plan to like, <laughs> I could get free smoothies somewhere. I'm like, all right, if I get a job that serves food, I'll have food. So the smoothies at the time seemed like a good plan because I could throw vitamins in there. So I, I got the job at Surf City Squeeze and um, I met this really cool female there who was going to ASU and her boyfriend was also really cool. You know how that happens. And uh, he, he had started a zine called Texture. 
And, uh, you know, I became, you know, I was hanging out with those dudes. And he's like, hey, why don't you write some record reviews for me? So, of course, I was like, yes. And then when it came down to doing it, I, was got, I got scared. <laughs> I, I also was asked to do an interview, and I, and I got to the place and didn't go in. <laughs> Crispin Glover, remember that guy? Oh yeah, that would have been crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't come up with a question that didn't sound stupid. So yeah. I, I just was like, I'm not going to do so this. So you was, stood up, Crispin Glover. Well, it wasn't like that. It's like one of those things where he was at the uh, Valley Art Theater and he yeah. was going to be on the stage. Maybe they're going to show a show. Oh, like a Q and A. Yeah, and then you could ask questions, and that, so I was going to give him. I had a couple. I don't know how long with him. Not long. Right. I just couldn't do it because every question was like, Hey, how was Back to the Future? Are you really <laughs> weird? Like I couldn't think of a good question. <laughs> right. So. I'm like, okay, so I, I'll do reviews. So I asked uh, our manager, Zia, Debbie, if I could have some promos so I could do some demos. So she said, you can have any of those cassettes on the wall. They're cassette promos. And I was like, damn, I can't sell it after. <laughs> <laughs> so I grabbed Pulp, who I, I didn't really know. Uh, Ministry, uh, the one with the, the guy with the like, liver stuck on his head. It was a terrible record. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So I did write a review for that one. It was just like, it was like yuck. And he's, he didn't print it. Uh, but then, uh, then I didn't know what to do with different class because uh, I put it in and I was listening to it. I was on my way to Paul's house. We were all going to Paul's house for something, maybe barbecue, maybe we were going to watch TV or something. You were going to be there. And I was like immediately like this is this might be the best thing I've heard in my whole life. Right. And, mm-hmm. I, and then I got into the, into the house. I was like, guys, you got to check this, this out. This is so good. And we were all like, whoa. Yeah, out of, from out of nowhere. And it went into like. heavy rotation at the record store. I we, mean, that's that's how you know an album is good is because every we used people used to fight over who could control this radio the stereo. Oh yeah, because we didn't all want to hear what the other people would choose. Mm-hmm. But everybody that worked there would throw this album on, and, and this was the one album you could put on that every employee would dig. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, everybody loved it. It was it was played multiple times a day. Right. And you got a you got a, a special copy of different class. Yeah, we sold so many copies of this that um, the label sent Chris Pizai an autographed version of the album just because of the numbers from our store were just off the charts. So, um, which is such a shame. The, the sales should have been off the charts nationwide. But right. uh, you know what? I actually have a funny story about this album that I kind of feel guilty about. Uh, some like fraternity guy came in like eleven thirty at night. You know, and he's like, "Hey, man, do you have any recommendations for some songs to play? Like, you know, when you're getting down, you know?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, there's only one." And I, and I realized I'm terrible at getting down. <laughs> I'm terrible at hooking up in any way. Like, I, unless unless the girl is like very very obvious about it, I don't even understand what's going on. I know that about myself now. Looking back, uh, I thought, "Oh, well, the number one album for that is Different Class by Pulp." I got this guy to buy it. I don't. I doubt it worked for. <laughs> Like, but we were talking before we started recording. This is a very sexy album. Oh, he's talking about sex all day. Yeah, in this. this album's super. And boring. the one before it. Yeah. Like Jarvis Cocker enjoys. Uh, he enjoys the ladies. Yeah, I was listening to this album when I was had a few soda pops in a hotel room by myself in Japan. <laughs> and at one note, I put down after uh, one of the tracks was, "I think I'm pregnant now." Is what I read. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's such a, such a good album, and your copy is signed by Steve Mackey, who's the bassist who passed yeah. uh, this year, oh, okay. and Jarvis Cocker. Yeah. Um, all right. So and I got well, I yeah. an X and O too. Oh two yeah, X, two, X's two X's and an O. It was like a kiss. Yeah. And a hug. Jarvis Cocker must have known it would land in your lap. Pulp are an English rock band. They were formed in Sheffield in 1978. That's so crazy. It's crazy. Uh, the band uh, for the most of their 90s run, it was Jarvis Cocker, Russell Senor. Candida Doyle, Nick Banks, Steve Mackey, and Mark Weber. 
They released seven studio albums between 1983 and 2001. Different Class was their fifth album from 1995. Yeah. Um, His and Hers, the previous year, 94, is kind of where this sound started for them, where they started to solidify this Britpop sound. Yeah, it's going there. It's heading. It's like on the way. You can see it. Yeah. This is going somewhere. And I don't know that album that well, but I know the singles off that album. Oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, Different Class entered the UK album chart at number one. And it won the 1996 Mercury Music Prize for Best Album Released in the UK by a British or Irish act. Certified four times platinum. And in 2013, NME ranked it at number six on its list of 500 greatest albums of all time. Wow. Uh, it was beat by number five is The Velvet Underground and Nico. Wow. Well, um, should be. That's a better album. Number four, is the, <laughs> number four is the debut album by The Strokes, Is This It? Whoa. Great album. That is a great album. I don't know if I'd put it up there, though. Number three is David Bowie's Hunky Dory. Okay, that's pretty... Untouchable. Number two, The Beatles' Revolver. Uh, amazing. And number one, Smith's Queen is Dead. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I do I love that album, man. I, I mean, I, that, that, yeah. uh, that was a big high school album for me for yeah, sure. But for like, sure. and I still like it to this day. But number one, number more than one. more than The Beatles. Yeah. More than. I was shocked that The Beatles' like White Album or Revolver wasn't number one. Yeah. Uh, uh, different class was critically lauded by pretty much every outlet. Uh, a, a site called uh, Drowned in Sound described Different Class as easily the best album of the year of its release and arguably the best album from the Britpop era. Mm-hmm. They went on to call it a certified masterpiece that not only lived up to the sky expectations heaped upon it, but surpassed them. And in 2005, Complex Magazine declared Different Class as the most important Britpop album ever. Okay, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. So lots of like I. It's funny because before I started doing research, and of course I grabbed all this off the Wikipedia. The only place to go. Before I started doing this research, <laughs> I always kind of thought of this album as like nerd, like nerd, music nerds love this album. Yeah. But I, I now realize like how huge this album it was, especially in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is one of those albums though that I think you listen to it on multiple levels. I think that you can really enjoy this album without even thinking at all. Yeah. So that's what makes it works in a special way because if you were to take this album like whoa how do they make that sound or what is that referencing and how do they build this that's like I, I think that like if you knew engineering right. and knew how to yeah, construct there is a song, lot of music you would be able, in but, and then his lyrics on their own and the, how he constructs his lyrics you can dive into that right. but then you don't have to do any of that stuff to completely feel exhilarated by this record yeah and so we're going to basically do something we've never done before in all of our previous episodes yeah all the those whole all catalog. <laughs> we didn't do anything like this in season one uh, but we're going to play the album start to finish. Uh, and my question for you, Bill, mm-hmm. is Is this a concept album about... I think it's about class warfare and figuring out where you belong in society. And I think it is kind of a concept album. I think it has a flow to it. I think it's purposely... Mm-hmm. The tracks are purposely where they are in the album. I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I even wrote something down, and I forget I write. I never use my notes, but... Um, I do think that it is a lot to do with like class. It's a different class yeah. is the name of it, which like I always felt like different class had could have a lot of different meanings. Like right. it could be like I'm in a class by myself above you. Yes. And then that's so good. It's in a different class or just like I'm in a class that is not even considered like uh, one of those ignored classes. Yes. Right. So I kind of love that about it. So it's like that play. The thing that I notice about this album is the... Uh, this is just weird. I, I'm reading this book right now by Joseph Goldstein, and it's um, it's it's about mindfulness. But I'm trying to do this thing where I implement the eightfold path that the Buddha came up with. It's this the thing I'm trying to do. Okay, sounds kind of silly, maybe. I'm into it. <laughs> but he referenced this poem uh, that was written by this guy W. H. Auden, and um, the 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 line that he referenced 
uh, basically just to sort of like the whole thing with Buddha is that we're all like basically flawed things. You know, we're not perfect. It says, love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. And I was like, dude, if there was ever a line that shows, you know, that, that Jarvis Cocker has a crooked heart and he loves his neighbors. Yeah. Right. So I was like, that is totally it. So I started like going through the poem. I can't remember the name of the poem, but um, I read through it. And there's this other element of clocks and time and love and youth. Uh, is something that at some point you feel like it's enduring or it's lasting, but there's like a cough in the or a clock in the corner is coughing every time you're gonna go make a move to kiss somebody. Uh. It's like <laughs> you know, like or and and then that idea of what is, what's supposed to be, what was that pops up all the time. You're standing in the middle of a field with like a bunch of people and. Yeah, so I, I also feel that class, but also time and the inevitable fall of right. everything you know and love. Yeah, this is kind of le- this is a man in his thirties getting out the last of his like teenage angst and sort of that his early twenties like yeah like 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 it's a guy like like you were talking about how you have no game. I have no game. I've essentially been married for the last twenty something years, and so it's you and like, I were always gameless. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like so like but sometimes in your 20s you be like oh I wish I would have said this or I yeah. wish I could have approached that person or whatever yeah. and I feel like Jarvis is working all that out in this album and he's also putting on like the way I put on the big papa persona he's yeah. putting on a persona and like he is the oh. suave debonair oh yeah like uh but he's also kind of a geek, but he revels in it. Like I oh, yeah. love, I love that he to this day, like he doesn't apologize for this character of Jarvis. No, a lot of these songs are characters are doing the narration. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like some of like, this, yeah, some of this stuff. I'm excited to talk about each song because yeah. they're, uh, they're 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 right. they're dark. Well, kinda. let's get into it then, and let's start with uh, the first album on, or the first track on the album is Misshapes. Uh, Jarvis Cocker has claimed this song is about all the weirdos and outcasts that have to band together to take on. Like the jocks and the bullies yeah. and what's normal or whatever. And I, my personal note is I think it's about kind of a, talking about a brighter future for people who have felt less than or forgotten. Yeah. And it's like know, an anthem for like dorks. Yeah. And we kind of talked about this before how like I thought about that thing that Bob Dylan said that like the 60s didn't really begin until the middle of the 60s. It was the 50s for a long time. So I really feel like the 80s was holding on. Like even when you think like, oh, the 90s. What, uh, it was still like the 90s were you know there was like the aggressive grungy sounds but the bands were still chauvinistic and like uh, there was still like a, a lot of homophobia like I'm not like saying that that's a product of the 80s but that was just a part of the 80s it was just part of that culture it carried over and there was this thing like I, I played football in high school right and I played baseball and I remember our principal like talking to us before the season like hey the whole school looks up to you you're important here you know you're the role models and I remember thinking like these guys, these guys are the role models, and and then Todd, Todd's a role model. <laughs> and there's this like idea, like uh, there was a Dead Kennedys song. It was called Jaka Rama, and it was kind of like that idea in the '80s. That was so that one came out probably in '81. This idea in America that you know the captain of the football team that's going to be your class president, and really that is kind of how America politics works. Right, I and mean, that's it. It's that's like, why the quarterback's always handsome is because his whole life he's been geared towards this yeah, guy. Yeah, people have always been kind of like you know help put, pushing him in that direction. Right, and um, you know, and that's that's really not a, a great thing. And I feel like Jarvis Cocker is sort of channeling that same energy in a different way on this album. But uh, I, I really feel like this is just. I remember feeling this at the same time, like. Yeah, why can't people just let their freak flag fly? Like, why can't we just... Why do we have to worry about what color jeans I'm wearing? Like, why does that matter to you? You know, why do I have to be like, oh, someone's going to make a comment because I wore this shirt I like. You know, like, and then I'm going to wear it anyways. I love that shirt you're wearing, by the way. 
I, a I just, of a cat. Yeah, this is a good shirt. Yeah. No kill. Yeah. All right, so should we play the song now that we've been talking for 15 it, minutes? Did I even make sense? Yes, let's yeah, do it. Sure. I, I think we're going off on It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't. No one's listening. Misshapes my pole. <laughs> So good way to kick off the album, I think. It's like call to arms. Yeah. Let's get in the streets. Use our brains. That's right. Let's do it. Yeah. You remember the name of the poem that we were talking about I earlier. did, yeah. I remembered because it was written right next to his name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> W.H. Auden wrote it, and it's called As I Walked Out One Evening. As I Walked Out One Evening. It's, All a, right. it's a good one. Check it out if you get a time. All right. Get a time. If, yeah, if you get a time. <laughs> Hey, we're getting back into this. We haven't yeah. recorded in a couple months. I know. I, we have to ease into this. Yeah. I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous around you. I haven't yeah. seen you in a while. You I just know. got back from Japan. I know. It's like, uh, it's it's not as warm in here. I'm just nervous. Yeah, you are nervous. You're That's, sweating. I'm sweating. Yeah, you, you thought know. I was going to put you to work. Yeah. Uh, so the next song, Pencil Skirt. My only <laughs> note is, it's naughty and a bit perverted. Yeah. What is that lyric in this song? Like, um, Is this the one where he's talking about being underneath the bed? <laughs> from underneath your bed, I can see my house from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that because you, uh, it, it's the view from your bed, like from under your bed. You, you get the feeling that he's looking under the bed, but then you realize he's hiding under the bed, and he can see his house from here. Yeah. And uh, that that always reminded me of a joke that Brett told me um, during a, during a football game when I was like in seventh grade. Me and Brett were sitting on the bench as we did, and uh, <laughs> and and he told me this joke, and I laughed so hard. Uh, so. It's, I, I thought maybe it was a reference to this joke. So I think Jarvis Cocker knows this joke. Oh, yes. So okay. it's blasphemous. So, so so he probably would have been at the game on the other end of the bench. Yeah. He was taking on, notes. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Well, no, I, I think this is a classic joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because uh, I found it online. I, and it's exactly the way Brett told oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. So it says uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross and uh, says, Peter, come here. And Peter, thinking he's about to receive some profound religious truth, he tries to go to Jesus, but Roman soldiers push him back. Uh, again, Jesus summons Peter. Come here. Peter tries to, but Roman soldiers push him away again. Jesus summons him the third time. Peter, come here. Peter gathers all his strength and finally breaks through. And he's bleeding from all these lance wounds. And Peter says, yes, master. And Jesus looks upon Peter and says, I can see your house from here. <laughs> and I think of that joke every time I hear that line in the song. And I think of Brett. So it's like really great, you know. And then I told that joke at I went I was working at a community market and there was a guy that would come in and he was like an old man he would always tell me a joke every day like a new joke that was this little shtick with me. So I'm like I have a joke and I told him this and he looked at me like shocked. He said don't ever tell that joke again. That's blasphemous. I was like I don't even know what that means. He's like you do not say the name of the Lord in vain. You do not joke about the Lord. And I was like Okay, yeah. I won't do that again. <laughs> maybe he could see his house from there. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it, it's not supposed to be a joke. Maybe that's really what he said. Yeah, could be. I believe it. <laughs> All right, uh, pencil skirt, track two. All right, so next, the first banger on the album, really. Oh man! Uh, in 2014, BBC Radio Six music listeners voted. I wrote different class, but voted. Um, Common, Common people. people as their favorite Britpop song in an online poll, and in 2015, Rolling Stone readers poll as the greatest polled it as the greatest pop song Britpop song ever, and in September 2010, Pitchfork listed Common People as number two on their list of top 200 tracks of the 1990s. Oh wow! And to me, this song, first of all, it's just it might be my favorite single of all time. It's incredible. 
like like the delivery, yeah, the lyrics themselves, the build up, like yeah, just the uh, the earnest way that he he tells this story, like yeah, like he feel you feel like he's performing it just for you, and yeah. it's it's desperate for him to get this story out and to tell you the story. Well, and then this this song, his lyrics, the arc of this story reminds me of that poet Auden we were just talking about because it starts one way and it takes you somewhere you're not expecting. It starts off you think he's just going to be like hanging out with this girl. Like almost like some sort of like whimsical love song. Right. And then it he shifts right from a sex joke to going to the store. Right. And everybody's like moping around because it's northern England. And then it's like, you know, what about the part where it's like um, he starts talking about they're going to attack you. These guys will bite you and eat your guts out like dogs. Yeah. Like, it's, you're like, you're not expecting that. This song, and it never stops being an anthem yeah. the whole time. It's, uh, it's all about, like, not everyone is the same. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, you think you want to be like me until you're like me. Yeah. You know, you think you want this 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 lifestyle until you realize what this lifestyle is like. Yeah. And you'll never know what it's like because as soon as you're uncomfortable, you have a lifeline. You, you just call safe, your papa. Yeah, that's right. You hey, safe, dad. Yeah. You I'm done with this. Space. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, this this song is all about class. It's all about a socialite trying wanting to slum. Yeah, you know, and that was a big trope, like in '80s teen movies, like totally. the, you know the rich, you know, Soch wants to slum it and hang yeah. out and have beers behind the you know baseball field or whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is it's like class tourism or something. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he has that he has that line like everybody hates a tourist. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly, because they're just like, oh, they could. Again, that's not their life. Yeah, just when the, visiting. As the roaches climb the wall, you could call your dad and stop it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, my this might be my favorite song of all time. Yeah, when I heard this song, and this is in the way this album builds. It starts with an anthem. It goes to Pencil Skirt, which is kind of like, whoa, this is fun. And then it goes to Common People, which had been a single already, but I hadn't heard it before I had that cassette. Right. And... I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how, when you release Common People as a single, that's how your album enters the chart at number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And have you ever seen them perform this? Like, when they, they performed, like, someone, I, I remember they were supposed to play, like, some festivals, a big one. Somebody had to bow out, and they were invited in. And they performed this song, and, like, it just went off, man. And and he's he's got that Jarvis persona. He's yeah. very theatrical. Right. It's almost as a Bowie esque character. Yeah. The big glasses, the suit. Yeah, it's as much about the presentation as it is about the music. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what sells it. Like you need that swagger. This song needs someone with like swagger to sing it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and, and just the way he in the song tells the story. Yeah, I'll yeah. see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah when like, he says like, that, it's like. Oh, Oh my gosh, it's like, so funny. Like, he's talking about a, a girl or a partner who wants to slum it with him. And then he kind of flips it around like, I'm too good for you. Like, maybe I'll let you into this world. Yeah, I'll see what you can do. Yeah. yeah she's like, I want to sleep with common people like you. And he's like, well, what else could I do? <laughs> right. I said, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> such a good, uh, uh, again, and, and as someone who in the past has created like a false bravado persona, yeah. I really, uh, so I really dig this song because of that. So. Yeah, Common People, maybe the best. And th this single also, they had two singles off this album that reached number two. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But this okay. tied for their highest single placement wow. uh, ever. Cool. All right. Tell me about it. All right. Oh, yeah. So next up is I Spy. And this has one of my favorite lines. What is it? 
of all time. I want to work this into some sort of, uh, if I write a novel or a comic or something like oh, that. It's so funny you say that, Cody. Go Keep, keep going. I spy for a li- uh, I spy for a living and I specialize in revenge. Oh, yeah. That is such a great, especially I specialize in revenge. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm... I, I'm my favorite type of fiction is revenge fantasy fiction, and maybe yeah. that's because I grew up as like a super short kid that got picked on a lot. <laughs> so I have all these like revenge fantasies, like you know, Napoleon complex thing. But uh, this song to me is all about fantasizing and plotting to overthrow like a, a the ruling class or overthrow people who feel like they're better than you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, I also I wrote I was doing this like funny thing with my friend Andrew. Uh, when I was in Shanghai, and he would um, he would send me like a little snippet of a, a detective noir short story we were gonna do together. Right. He would send me like a paragraph or two, and I would send him a paragraph or two. Okay, I totally ripped this song off for that <laughs> because it was just supposed to be fun. We were gonna publish it, right? But there's the part where he's he's remembering being a kid. And he's like narrating himself, like you know, oh, that's where the plaque's gonna go where I kissed my first girl. Yeah. And he he like he uh, definitely like goes around the dog turd on the sidewalk on his bicycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's narrating like Jar- he talks about how Jarvis did this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like this, you know, he's like uh, he's and he's just a little narrator with, as a, as like a companion is like right. He he definitely goes around or he doesn't say definitely, but he goes around the dog turd. So yeah. I have that in the story. This kid is gonna he's trying to solve a mystery at his school. It's how he gets into becoming a detective. And uh, there's the, there's this whole scene where he's like driving down the street and he like sees the dog turd just in time and avoids it and he's like oh my gosh I'm so ready for this career you know <laughs> and I kind of I kind of lifted that um, it, I don't think uh, my friend thought that was quite as exciting as me but I was like oh man I worked in some pulp yeah we had a um, when I was in uh, I was Michelle always makes fun of me because I was in AP English and when I tell her the kind of work I did in Dodd School AP English she like mm-hmm. rolls her eyes like she's like oh I was doing that in like ninth grade basic English but one of our assignments was to create, to write a poem using found phrases. So like oh, I love purposeful that. plagiarism kind That's of. That's great, yeah. Um, but she said it couldn't be from a work of art. It has to be from like uh, advertising or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But I did cheat and I pulled some some uh, some lines from a Cure song like Deep Blue Sea and stuff like this. Yeah, oh, um, cheater. I know, but if this song had been out when I was there, I would have just cribbed it. I would have just wrote this song out as my poem. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So I did, you know, so when you go, when you open up the booklet, it's written in like super small letters. I need like a giant magnifying glass, but it's, it says, please do not read the lyrics whilst listening to the recordings. So it's way more fun. This song, especially the, the writing is great in the song. Right. It's so fun. Yeah. And, and it kind of has a James Bond vibe too, because he's going for. Yeah. The, did you know? Do you remember when he was uh, commissioned he, to do a James Bond yeah, he song? Did, he did. It's it's out there. I don't think it was released as part of the movie. No, because it's, it's not a James Bond song at all. <laughs> like I, that guy, totally. Like I remember being like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine how over the top this James Bond song is going to be. It was it was not appropriate for a James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. And then the B side was Help the Aged. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that and it was that was a charity single for for the elderly people geriatric people in, in Sheffield and and it was really like just really endearing like help the aged yeah they need your money yeah <laughs> I was like what the heck I was totally disappointed I bought that as an import single uh, it was not what I wanted well I spy for a living and I specialize in revenge alright so next up is the second single I think off this album um, and it's one of these albums where it's like the album is a, a, a perfect album, pretty much. 
but also the singles they chose are just i mean the the everything behind this album was so in, uh, done with such intent and so well done like yeah. the fact that this was the second single well i think they knew this was their moment yeah this is their shot like this stuff they've been working on all the time suddenly pe- people all over the world are interested in it right bowie was having a resurgence this guy kind of has the yeah, bowie-esque they, thing they seize their moment better than most people yeah like like it doesn't happen all the time like if this album had come out three years earlier well first of all it wouldn't have come out because they wouldn't have been you know they wouldn't have had the same ambition right but it was like here's the songs here's the sound we've been developing and every there's a market for it. Let's take over. Yeah. Let's just go. And that must have been so fun. Yeah. Like prepping for the championship game. Yeah, and knowing that it's gonna pay. It's like, uh, like it's like it's like the the number one seed playing like the number sixteenth seed in the you know in the NCAA bracket. NCAA bracket. But like, in this case, the number sixteenth seed has a, like an ace up their sleeve that nobody knows about. A phenom is just ready to burst. Oh, I was gonna go the other way and be oh. like, they know they're gonna dominate. Well, no, the 16 seed knows they're going to dominate because they have. That's what I think. And okay. They've been underestimated. I think that they were just underestimated people. And I think when they were when they recorded this song, I think common people too. That's got a lot of social commentary that can fall flat. Like I don't think you can be sure that that's going to fly. Right, but this but was this a disco, one. This was a party song. Hell yeah. yeah! And and like it's one of those things. Any song that talks about the year 2000, yeah. let's get together. Uh, and of course, it's darker than that actually, but. Yeah. This is this feels like a song you want to play with your friends. Yeah, and I read because of the references to the year 2000 that in 1999 and 2000 they delisted it from music that could be licensed from cuz they you know all the songs were like on a service whatever where you could just license stuff. Yeah. And they took it off that service cuz they didn't want it used for all the Y2K nonsense. Oh, wow. yeah. Um but so the song is about a girl he fancied and it's almost all true. Uh, Deborah, oh really? Deborah Boone was uh, is the the girl Deborah. Oh man! They they were born within hours of each other what? in a hospital. This is real. This is real. Their, oh Their my mothers gosh. were friends, so they grew up together. Oh shit! Until, this is getting pretty thick uh, now. Until man. Deborah moved away oh, when they uh, were like preteens. Okay. But they stayed friends. So Deborah Boone actually was made a member of the Order of the British Empire for her services to children's mental health. She wow. worked in the mental health district. Um, she passed away. But so Healthy Aged was still trying to get with this lady. Yeah, maybe. I can see it. And her, her, she has a Wikipedia page, Deborah Boone, and the photo is her and Jarvis when oh they're gosh. like adults. And then wow. So she, she, she's like, I think the song is about me, but he's gone on record saying it's about her. Um, she's no longer around. She passed away from uh, cancer, I think. Oh man. But also this song, and you, I never noticed this until I read it, and then I listened to it, and I was like, ah, this song takes its riff from Gloria by Laura Branigan. How's that song go? Gloria, Gloria. Da, na, 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 oh my gosh. Na, na, na. Yeah. I would have never connected that. Yeah, and a sports an- anolo- an- analogy analogy here okay. is the three, four years ago, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Uh-huh. And after every win that season, they played Gloria in the lock- the in the stadium. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, this, this, this song really shows that they could have been a very successful like club band, electronic band, oh, disco totally. band. Yeah, just um, hit singles. Yeah, like they could have just done this for the rest of their career if yeah. they wanted to, because this is like, I mean, the song is disco two thousand, but it is a disco song kind of. It well, is a dance song. And I just want to go back to that poem. The whole thing is time, and it's like what you think. Like so, it, disco two thousand. It places in the year two thousand. He has this idea about meeting by the fountain. You know, it's raining, of course. Yeah. I'm not but then it's like uh, this: we're born, you know, and everyone says we're gonna, you know, be, be together. together and never split up. 
but it doesn't happen. So it's like this feeling of like, not only does he want it, but he feels like the community wants it and it's not going to happen. And he has to watch all the other boys because he's like this yeah. bookworm. And she's, of course, going to go with the other guys who are like, yeah, trying all, to get with all them. that's true. She got married to someone else and had a family and everything. And yeah. it's wow. just like, uh, what a, can you imagine? Like, yeah, yeah, my friends in this band, but they're not very popular outside of like Northern England or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, their second biggest hit of all time is about you. Yeah, that would be that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Yeah, I love this song. It is. I, I'm I'm just a. I guess I'm like a basic dude because Common People's my favorite song on this album. Disco 2000 is my favorite second favorite song on this album. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you. I, I wonder what he wanted her name to be. Like, I wonder what he called her. In his right, because the song it mentions like you, you were never like really a Deborah. Yeah, like, it's like the name fit. the name was wrong. Yeah, you should have been something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, God, this song's so good. Uh, Disco two thousand, the yeah. second single off. This is it. Yeah. All right, so uh, now we're kind of hitting the back half of the album a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it slows down a little bit, but not too much. And this next song, my note is, I actually think Live Bed Show might be the weakest link on a great album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives me the vibe of like, um, let's go ahead and crank our gain up here so people can hear us. Yeah, um, I want to be heard. <laughs> I always hear you, Bill. Um, <laughs> my, my note here is that this is kind of like an end of the night out vibe. Like you're coming back from the club or you're okay. driving home from, you know, meeting up with friends or whatever. This is kind of like, just kind of a slow rolling, kind of just like a moody, yeah, like a moody it doesn't really build to big heights, but it's just kind of like a yeah, yeah. I, I um, it's like a crooning song almost. So when I was running a lot, I would run to this album quite a bit, and I usually stopped at Common or Dis or the Year Two Thousand or Disco Two Thousand. I would stop there because this song kind of kills the run. Right. However, I do like this song. I think that you know it. It also in that whole theme of time, it's like you know she buys this bed, and seven years ago. The headboard was banging, you know. If and it's called live bed show. If this was reality TV now, right? It's kind of like the idea of the song. It would be a very boring show. Something's gone. Like she, dudes aren't aren't getting in that bed with her anymore. Right. But the seven years ago, there was a lot of dudes in that bed. It was a good time in her life. But that that time is gone. But it's kind of like it's kind of got the um, the glory days aspect. She's talking about how it actually says the headboard's banging against the wall. The neighbors are right wanting to complain, but they're not. Right, and uh, they don't have to complain anymore because uh, the headboard it hasn't made that sound in a really long right. time. Everyone except you is falling apart. So I'm falling apart. I can't even breathe, Cody. You're doing great, by the way, for someone who has emphysema. You, you've only coughed once so far. Uh, this is uh, again. This is what I consider the. If you were gonna take a leak during, if they played this album all the way through and you had to pee, yeah, this pee, would be a good. You pee on this song. That would be the one. We don't pee on the song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We respect the song and live, its placement. <laughs> live bed show. All right, Bill. We're about halfway through the episode, so it's time for fun facts. I guess that you have written down that you forgot about till just now. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm not good at research. Right. Like so you got you got some facts about old so, Mr. Cocker. Yeah. So I, I did. I did see that his mother was a conservative counselor, um, and that that means lawyer, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, conservative lawyer in in England. His father left the family when he was seven. He was a DJ and actor. Lived in Australia. A lot of this is starting to make sense about. 
is his uh he wants to be accepted and he's yeah. theatrical yeah yeah and he's rebelling against maybe a mom who wasn't into all that yeah his mom's probably like really into thatcher yeah and also if he's acting that way it probably reminds her of the guy who left the family you know he's probably reminds her of the her fa- his father yeah so she's probably not too happy about that probably when he's coming home with eye makeup on after going to like a special show or something cody we're like psychologists right now we're figuring it out <laughs> let's see what else did i um oh another one that i thought was kind of interesting was uh, the original name of the band was um arabicus pulp which is a tradable commodity i think it's uh, some kind of plant okay. and i think the pulp is made into something paper probably maybe probably paper because i don't yeah. think you can eat it it's like a it's like a tropical Probably a very textural plant. So not like orange pulp. Not orange pulp. I think it's... Wood pulp. Yeah, so I like that. You know, he's like trying to think of a name. Yeah. And that's it. And it was good to just kind of make it pulp. I think that's a better name. That's smart. It works. Yeah. And then the other thing was that the Michael Jackson mooning event. Like, I remember... I'm, the only thing I remember about this is that he, he made a comment to like moon... Travis Cocker made a comment to like... The best thing Michael Jackson ever did was invent the moonwalk or something? Yeah, but that's kind of like tongue-in-cheek because Michael Jackson didn't actually invent the moonwalk. He, he just made it the most famous thing because it, it happened before. Sure. Yeah, but I think that, um, you know, Michael Jackson was in the middle of the stage singing whatever song was out at that time and there were all these kids around him and he had his arms out like Jesus and Cocker said he found that really insulting. So he ran out on stage and dropped his trousers and mooned Michael Jackson, the children in the audience. <laughs> but I think he was really just mooning Michael Jackson. Anyways, I think he got arrested. Uh, and they thought it was to promote this, this album. So oh. people were really cynical about it. That you know? could have been smart, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. And somebody, I don't know, I don't remember who it was. Somebody um, was filming, might have been, some famous, other famous musician was filming this performance okay and got gyrus cocker doing this and that fi- that tape saved him from whatever charges he's gonna name it's uh, clear that it was clear that it was just a statement he wasn't really trying right. to show his butt to everybody yeah again going into this album they they knew this was going to be a huge album and yeah. like the bravado to be like i'm gonna go moon the biggest musical artist of our generation yeah, who's you're gonna moon him while he's moonwalking yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, jokes just keep getting better. God, you're on fire. Thank you. Uh, next up is something changed. Uh, Simon Reynolds of Pitchfork said that the song was straightforwardly romantic and gorgeously touching song about the unknown and unknowable turning points in anyone's life. Uh, my note is it's a perfect love at first sight song and how a chance encounter can change your whole life. Yeah, which is a great uh, narrative trope that I like, mm-hmm. uh, along with revenge. <laughs> um, and uh, Cocker has said, Mr. Cocker has said in the past that he's heard uh, a lot of people using this as their wedding song. What? Instead of Here Comes the Bride, they'll play this. Wow. This is Miley's favorite song on the album. Okay, just a little too slow for you? I don't know. I just never listened to it. I mean, I listen to it, but I, it's just like my, I tune it out. Yeah. I mean, I do like it. You know, so I, I love the idea. I'm with you. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And it's really sweet when something like that does right. happen. But I, for some reason, this is the song that I tune out. I don't know why. So the previous song. It was kind of like something's different now. This mm-hmm. song is that, but in kind of a positive way. Like, yeah. I was this before we met, and now yeah. I want to be this, or I want us to be this. Yeah. Um, it is a great love song. And, and it could be, the way they were put together, it could be this character from the previous song, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, finding love. Yeah, like, she had had, like, a whole bunch of, like, you know, young person affairs, and maybe now she's, you know, out in the shops and meets some guy. And yeah. 
changes. She's ready to be something new. Yeah, she wants a different thing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, here we go. Probably the most romantic song on what can sometimes be a filthy album. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned earlier that I went to Japan this summer. Out of my the four friends I really the four close friends I hung out there, at least half of them listened to the podcast and they talked about it. And oh, we, we shamed one of my friends who didn't listen to the yeah, podcast. Never checked it out. But uh, yeah, so it's nice to hear like feedback. Yeah, I've gotten a couple little bits of feedback here and there. My sister likes the show. She really likes you. She says hi. By the way, I just texted with her. Oh, yeah. Well, hello. Uh, next up is Sorted for Ease and Whiz, and this song always kind of went under the radar for me, but this was the third single off this album, Yeah, and it actually reached number two, just like Common People, and some reports have it actually outselling Common People, so they both reach number two, mm. but there is some thought to this might have actually sold the most singles, but I think it's because it was, I think the it was a double A-side single, okay. and I think Miss Shapes was on the other side. Oh, right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I really like this song and it does kind of build and it is a kind of an anthemic song and yeah. a good compliment to common people in Disco 2000. But I never really thought of it on that level before. Yeah. But when I was reading about this album and about these singles, this is like this is the one that people at shows go nuts for when it's played live. Well, it's about being at a show, right? So, yeah, it is. I, it, 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 did you ever go to a rave or something like that? Well... Kind of, not really. So it's like, the, to me, this song is, um, I went to one rave and it was it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Because just like in the song, I had to meet some guy at the Fiesta Mall to get a ticket and then you'd find out later where it was. That happens in here too. There were a lot of secret raves. They would set it up like, oh, it's going to be in this giant field somewhere um, and right. then you're going to go to it. I don't know. So I go to this rave and it's like the guy that gave me the tickets was weird about it. I'm like, oh man, what have I got myself into? And uh, people around you were are out of their minds. Like they were doing, they were not on the same planet as me. Right. And and, the, and to me, the music wasn't good. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I, was I, like, I think music is secondary it was to just a rave. Like, it was right. just that beat over and over and people were going crazy. I was like, this is, this should not feel good. Cause it, it wasn't terrible, but like, you know, anyways. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I feel like he's he's kind of going through. He gets the tickets from some like character. He goes to the thing and he starts talking about it at different stages through the night. And by like six o'clock in the morning, uh, he just wants to go home. But that's a long concert. Yeah, that's sort of ease and whiz. There's always that. I think the ease is uh, the drug. Oh, that, you know what? That that reminds me of something. I didn't write the note, but yes, this single was lobbied against. Uh, parent groups didn't want the single played on the radio yeah, yeah. and they had to release a statement saying it's not glorifying drug use it's, it's actually singing about it a it's lot. actually just telling you kind of like but in a, in a way like you said like he's over it and he just wants to get out of there yeah and, yeah and so it's it's, it's a not, cautionary tale at yeah. the end but it's you know at points you know it's definitely people are have their sordid ease and wins yeah. going. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I think this album, uh, the easy way to dismiss, the, or not dismiss it, but the easy way to think about this album is that it's all about sex and drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and it, on the surface, maybe all the songs are either love songs or party songs or whatever, but I think a lot of it is the narrator coming to terms with these 
these kind of nights out and these kind of situations. Yeah. And I don't think it really glorifies it that much. No, it's you, you get the sense this, this is coming to an end. He's not going to do this very well. Yeah. You know, he might do it one more time or, or never again. Right. Like, and and it just it's not it's not what it was cracked up to be, and it was a lot of work to yeah. get there. And also, it's like a young person's game, you know. Totally. Like, like I always had this idea. Like sometimes when I'm driving, I'll look at a road, like just one of these random exits, and I'll be like, I wonder where the f that road goes. Me too. And Michelle will be like, Oh, you should start a YouTube channel where you just drive down that road and see yeah. where it ends up. So I was like, That'd be funny. And then the other one I wanted to do, and I actually had a producer who optioned uh, one of my comics. Years ago, years ago, but I, I emailed him maybe like five years ago and pitched him an idea called "I'm too old for this shit." And I would go to like frat parties <laughs> and like raves and stuff as like a 45 year old man who's like out of shape, yeah, and do, and do that kind of stuff. And he's like, he's like, I think that's a great idea, but we don't really do that here. Like that's not the kind of production company we are. Yeah, we don't want we don't want someone dying at a frat party yeah. as part of our show. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I get the vibe of this. This is just kind of like it's it's it. It's run its course. Yeah. And it's it's time for it to end. Yeah. And there's so many nights where I'm out where I have that feeling where I'm like, okay, I just want to go home. Yeah, like it's but 9 not, o'clock at night. Yeah, but not, like, not everyone else is ready to go home, but I'm like, I could go home right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, the third single off the album and by some accounts, the biggest single, they've, the most highest selling single they've ever had. That's but weird. Definitely up there with common people as Gosh. the highest, uh, the highest uh, ranking UK single. Wow. All right, so feeling called love is next, and uh, this is another big live song for them. As you were, we were just discussing, like it really like amps up and, oh, and yeah. gets anthemic again. Um, so it's a huge live song for them. But this song, to me, this is the song I was talking about earlier. Like I did, my note was just, I think I'm pregnant now. Like this song, <laughs> his voice, his delivery in this, this is the sexiest song on the album to me. Really? Uh, yeah, he's... It, it's just it, it oozes, and not necessarily like I'm not saying that's a good thing. It yeah. kind of oozes a slight. This whole album kind of gives it like a slightly gross vibe. Yeah. But true. No. And, you know, nothing that I haven't felt. You know, it's not like this is uh, shocking to me or anything like right, that. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, this song to me is just, it just oozes kind of like desire and, you know. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. just like uh, the, his attention to detail of, uh, you know, seeing the dresser and the handle that's broken. Like he's he's had his eyes open in this room for a lot of different reasons. Right. A lot of different times. and. Uh, and then when it comes in, like I was listening to this in my car alone, and I just was playing it kind of loud. Uh, and when that chorus comes in, it like shocked me. I almost had to swerve my car. It was like, it was like whoa, wasn't expecting it. It's so fun. And then his his like uh, the way he does the delivery in some of it, it is kind of like sultry or like dark, yeah, kinda secretly kind of. Uh, yeah. Kind of like whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. It's very creative. I would say. Yeah, he's using his voice a lot of different ways. I mean, throughout the album, he has the straight narration, then he has like the the operatic kind of voice yeah. to him, but this one kind of has all that too, like did, the Did you ever listen to Scott Walker? No. He was like this guy in the 60s. He started off as like a teen idol, but then he became like an art guy, like an art rocker. Sometimes I think that Jarvis Cocker's a lot like him. Sort of like Scott Walker was um He's like a niche guy. Like certain people really love him. Like I like some of his songs a lot, but if I put on an album, I I kind of lose interest. But I I can imagine that Jarvis Cocker was like listening to them as a teenager and like taking notes because he gets so much of the same arty, yeah. sort of like unexpectedly 
you like this this angle you wouldn't expect comes in the sound collage i even hear like honestly like a little bit of pink floyd in this album like the the sort of experimentation with like constructing a, the noise so i mean i i'm just thinking like this is a song where you can almost see his influences yeah yeah and uh the way throughout the album but we kind of talked about already he's creating these personas but everything is and again everything is planned out like when he wrote this song and they were they were laying it down in the studio he knew he was going to be silky at this point yes and he knew he was going to get loud at this point yeah and he knew he was just going to basically blurt out this line but then he was going to like he was going to like murmur this line yeah they didn't just jam this yes it wasn't an accident yeah so so great so uh yeah, feeling called love. Did we just play this? No. No, we've been this, talking about. It. We've been just been talking about it for a while. All right, feeling called love. <laughs> yeah. So the next song, you know, we went from a love. Uh, we, this back half is kind of a lot. Some party songs, but love songs. This next one is maybe about unrequited love or just general creepiness. Yeah. Uh, this might find yourself in a bad spot. Maybe. Yeah. This is a creepy song, kind of misogynistic, creepy. But it's a, a it's a good take, I think, on self confidence, maybe. Maybe I, how, I, how so? How so? What wrong? do you think? I don't know. How, how do you? How, how self confidence? Maybe I'm misinterpreting. Because I would definitely be uh, the opposite of confident in the situation. Yeah. Like I, if I were the girl, I would be feeling not confident. Yeah, maybe I think he's con- he's cocky. He thinks he know- he's well, he thinks he's, he's really- not there though. Yeah, but he thinks he knows what's happening. Like he thinks he's narrating this story. He thinks he knows what's happening. Yeah. And in his mind, he's letting his mind run. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. So this is like his fantasy. This is like maybe in the Mr. Brightside, that killer's tune where the dude is imagining all this stuff happening to the girl that he was with. Right. Because he uh, he saw some action that made him think that they were going to sleep together. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. Yeah. So this, yeah, yeah. Maybe. But it's like the smugness of like, I know what's happening. Yeah, he's describing an awkward situation. The girl's standing uh, in her underwear in somebody's room and she's realizing it's not what she, she doesn't really want this to be going on. But you know, now the guy's already, he's already there and she doesn't want this. Right. And, uh, and that's one thing. But then the narrator says, I do anything to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not there. Like, he's like, he's not there, but it's like, that yeah. is a, that's that's a twist. Yeah. It's another great line in here. I'm going to butcher it. Uh, but if fashion is your trade, then when you're standing there naked, you must be unemployed now. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a mean thing to say about women. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, yeah. this is kind of like a mean song, but it's like a it's like a backlash song. Maybe it's it's almost like he's a he wants to be the guy going up to her room, but he's not. So now he's going to like He's yeah. like, oh, you know, he's going to kind of make her feel bad about it. But if you just listen without listening, like if you just hear the song and you don't pay a whole lot of attention to the lyrics, the delivery and the style of the tune itself, it doesn't feel like that's what's happening. It's like you have to really pay attention to the lyrics to get that story. Right. It kind of just feels like it would almost just feel like you're being vulnerable. You know, you're standing naked in your underwear right. or nearly naked. And that's just a vulnerable feeling. It's not it, it can be a nice feeling, but it's. In this case, it's not, and it, it's almost tender in his delivery. But then when you but that makes listen it, to that it, makes you're it like creepier. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, so it this, works on a lot of levels, man. Yeah, this song's a creepy song. I, uh, I feel like we're talking this album down. I, I, there's a whole segment of people I know that would be like, I am not checking this record out just based on what these two guys have said. <laughs> no, it's an absolutely brilliant song with brilliant <laughs> lyrics. It's true. It yes, yeah. it's just creep. It's okay to be creepy sometimes. I guess so. Maybe it is. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so the penultimate track on the album's up next, Monday Morning. Uh, my note on this is... It's a, it's a, I like the song a lot, especially if you were just reading the lyrics, and in my head I was singing the song. Yeah. I think for a lot of bands, this would be the best song on their album. And this is their second to last track on, on this album. Yeah. This sounds to me like some of the best suede songs. And it's uh. it's almost like a forgotten song on this album for yeah, Pulp. For it's sure. it's that that's how good this album is. Uh, again, I keep I keep using the word anthem, but this is another good kind of like it builds, it slows, it builds, it slows. Yeah. Um yeah, I just when I heard this, I was like, "Oh, most Brit- British bands would love this. Would be their big single." Yeah, and for Pulp, this is the eleventh track on a twelve-track album. Yeah. You know, and, like, and lyrically, it's just about Monday and how what a mundane life we live. And right, you got to just work. The doldrums, and, yeah, yeah. Go into work, come back, hang out on Friday night, do it again next week. Yeah, that's kind of la, la la la. That's kind of how it's like. Uh, it's kind of how like middle age is for me like it's the same like every time i see people they're like oh what's new like nothing <laughs> like nothing it's it's it everything is exactly the same as it yeah. was except now i have a diabetic cat i have to take care of <laughs> oh so yeah things no, are, i'm sorry about things that. are actually worse so yeah. thank you for asking yeah, like, you gotta go uh, you gotta go home at night and give that guy a shot yeah your life revolves around your cat yes yeah so anyways yeah this song is just kind of like uh it's just kind of like rinse and repeat Every 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 week is the same. Yeah, like it's not enough that every day is the same. It's every week is the same, and then every month is like, you know, again at our age, how different was September to how October is going to be? Right. Yeah. Like I mean, I have some trips planned. You know, some weekend trips planned, yeah. which are fun. But come November, that's all in the past, and right. it's still every day. Wake up, do the chores. Every day, go to work. Well, Every every weekend, try to squeeze as much living into the weekend as you can because Monday morning's coming around again. Yeah, and, and it, it's commentary, but it's also instructive because we're doing this right now, which is very fun, and it gives some meaning to my day. So much fun. It yeah. is, yeah. I, well, and just being with you, but also, like, we're, we're building something that's, yeah. that's, like, even if it's just you and I, it's still, like, I'm glad that we did it. And that's what Jarvis Cocker is also doing here. Like, uh, he's noticing this, and he's commenting on it, but... The song itself is pretty great and fun. And if you're artistic and can get into that, then the mundane can be something to celebrate. You know, right. like, you know, talking about, you know, my sister, she, you know, uh, does all these like arts. She's constantly doing artistic things. Otherwise, her life would be just working a lot. And right. So I think that there is something there, like, you know, get involved, do something. And I think that that's an underlying message of this album as well. Even if it's unspoken, it's implied. Like, you could put on a fucking suit, right. go outside and dance, you know, and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, I always, um, in my work, when when your hobby becomes your job, mm. it's important to get a hobby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. because, like, I mean, there's still a lot of, like, I see a lot of younger creators, artists, who, like, they do work, and then at night they still do artwork. Right. And to me, at someone in my age now, like that's the last thing I want to do is go home and then pick up my iPad and start sketching something else. Like, right. You know, so like this is a, this is a new hobby for me. Oh, I got to research. I'm taking notes. Uh, you know, yeah. taking notes. I'm copying and pasting from Wikipedia. What? But I'm forming. Notes? I'm forming thoughts. It's plagiarism. I'm thinking about things. You yeah. know, I'm reading. I'm going down to the pool. It's important to do. <laughs> it's important to do stuff that's not the same. No, you know? absolutely. Yeah, because it, yeah. it can get pretty mundane. It can get kind of bleak. Yeah. Uh, if if you don't stop for a second, you know, like I just had my birthday, 
And I, I felt bad because I don't, I'm not sure I did anything. But it was kind of like, that's what I need. I've been so busy. I just need to like chill out. Right. And there's like th- that weird expectation. Like, oh, it's your birthday weekend. Better have a good time. And I was like, all I want to do is like be with my family and like watch a movie. Yeah. The, yeah. The whole uh, the whole birthday thing. After you're like 30, who gives a shit? Right. It's a little bit hard. Like I see it on social media. People are like, oh, it's my birthday week. We're going to do this and this and this. And I'm like, birthday week? <laughs> like, Damn. <laughs> I admire that. I don't have the energy for that it. That like, sounds like... I'm a, not that important. That sounds like a nightmare yeah. situation. But what sounds good is Monday Morning by Pulp. Yeah. All right, Bill, last song on the album. Uh, we actually just played this a little bit off air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just solidified to me what a brilliant closer it is to an album. It has that vibe of sort of like uh, parties over. Time yeah. to go home, you know. It's like yeah. it's the it's the walkout song, the you late know? night tale music. Yeah, uh, I love this song, and maybe because it's that, it has a sense of finality. Finality to me, like this is an album that should not be played on on random. Right. This is and like you 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 had a thought like whether this is a concept album or not. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel. It's not like uh, some rock concept albums. You know, you feel like it, yeah, you you kind of have to sit through some of it. And because because there's lyrical information that you need in some song that's right. not that great, but this one it's more thematic. Yeah, and uh, you don't maybe the characters show up in, in the songs over and over again. It's hard to know yeah. who he is in any any given song if he's actually him or somebody else. But yeah, I think this whole album is about heartbreak, pretending to be something you're not, wanting to be something you're not. Because yeah. sometimes you don't want to be that thing, but it's fun to pretend to maybe be that thing. You yeah. know, like. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to go to the bar and drink old fashions. Like, that's yeah. not something I would normally do, but that might be a fun thing to do one day. It's yeah. Like, like put on a nice, nice polo. Hat. Yeah. yeah get, <laughs> get costumed up and, yeah. and go do it. Um, so, the, the, that al- this album just skirts all of that. All yeah. of this is sort of like, do we want it? Do we really want it? Do we think we want it? It's like an end of your party days growing up. Yeah, it's like a call to arms at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. We're making a move. We're gonna have the greatest night ever. I mean, that song you put that on yeah. to start your night, and uh, but just like a revolution or whatever, it's it's gonna have its moment, and then it just ends. Yeah, and maybe it made a difference or not. So if this were a night out yeah. and, and all these people were showing up, uh, it, it ends. Yeah, it there is. It is, it is like that. The first four or five songs are like. Yeah, we're doing this, <laughs> yeah. and then it slowly becomes like, oh yeah, I'm getting a little tired, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, but again, I, I love this song, and I think it's great. It's perfectly placed as an album closer. Yeah, it's a great closer, yeah. for sure. And this is Bar Italia. Um, so final thoughts before we close on Bar Italia is, I would love. I I don't know how much money I would pay. But I would pay a lot of money to see them play this album live all the way through. Yeah, I would. I would pay a lot of money to see them live. I've never seen. I've them never seen outside them. of YouTube. Yeah, I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never seen them. Yeah, I've never seen. Them. I don't remember if they toured in the states on this album. At least they didn't come to Phoenix. I don't think they came to Phoenix. But it's, they so, did because they were in California when they gave this to. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't go to L.A. Something must. have... Yeah, I don't know. You know, but also we, were, we had no money. We were so. very poor back so then. Unless, it was like, unless someone's given us tickets, yeah, like, gas was a problem. Right? You know? Yeah, yeah. That's Even though true. It was cheap back then. Yeah, like now, like now, if they came up and it was like, oh, tickets are five hundred bucks a piece, I'd be like, I'm there. I'll tell you, I, I was so close. I saw they were playing Mexico City or something at one point, and uh, my friend Carlos, I know that he would he would probably be game if I like begged him, but I was just like, I don't know if I have the 
the resources and the time to actually do that. But I think that would be a cool place to see them. I would love to see them in a place where people are just like so excited about music. Right. So I think that I would probably prefer to see Pulp in L.A., New York. I would want to go into a city where people are keyed in. I wouldn't want to see. Right. I, you don't, you don't want to. You don't cool, want to see. But, you don't want to see them on Wednesday at the Marquee. Yeah, Phoenix is a weird music city. Right. Sometimes, I mean, it can be pretty awesome, but um, Pulp is a special band. You want to would, see them in a festival setting, almost like a where they're gonna own the moment and really. Yeah, or a theater. Yeah, a theater would be very cool. Like, yeah, like the like, Will Turn or something. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm gonna see the Breeders next month. Is the Will Turn? Oh, I'm that's super gonna be excited. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, normally, as, as in second season here, we would talk about uh, songs and bands that didn't make the cut, but that's not applicable applicable to this track or this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, I never really experienced much more. Like I know there's singles off his and hers, and mm-hmm. I know there's singles off of uh, this is hardcore. Right. But again, like even this is hardcore to me was like, man, it's not different class. It's a very different vibe. Yeah, it's, it's very. Uh, well made though it's got the same idea like i would say they're going more into the pink floyd idea the the sound is awesome like it sounds really good in headphones but it's darker it's almost depressing yeah in parts so it doesn't have those two three four pick me up kind of i don't want to run to it right like it wouldn't fuel a run which is unfortunately that is when you know working out or running that's when i really do get in i get deep into music then but i like I like music with a beat. Unless it's The Cure, then I can listen to any of their records right. <laughs> while I'm running. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think if someone wanted to get into Pulp, just get this album oh, yeah. and then get their singles off the, the albums that sandwich this album. Mm-hmm. But again, even Help the Aged is a single and it's kind of a downer. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say His and Hers is a good next step. Because it's got a lot of what's great about this album, but it's just not quite on point like right. this one is. But it's still excellent. Yeah, this would be... I mean, people always like... Like, I don't like making definitive lists. That's why I keep saying it's almost a perfect album because... Yeah, I change all the time. I can't... I, it's, I just it's hard to say myself. what is a perfect album. Yeah. This is as close to one as I've ever heard. And again, as someone who doesn't like... Like, oh, what's your desert island? Whatever. I don't like, I don't like that. Those lists. But this would be an album that I would take with me anywhere I went. You know, like, if I was on death row, yeah, and it's like my last meal, and they're like, what's the last album you want to listen to? I'm like, I want to listen to this, and I want, when I'm being electrocuted, I want Disco 2000 in my headphones. <laughs> you know, like, like I just want to be pumped up. Yeah, that would be, yeah. be a good way to go out, man. Yeah. yeah I, I, have you seen that thing where people are talking about their top 20 songs, like ranking their top 20 songs? Yeah, like, how can you do that? I can't imagine. Like, I... I look at the list and I'm like, people are like, well, this took me a long time. I'm, I felt really bad. I left this off. I'm like, why the hell? Because I, you know, <laughs> I, I try to put together songs I like at all. I like a lot of songs and the whole ranking thing. I, what does that yeah. do for you? Like, I really don't like it. Like, I, I do think, oh, what's my? I can get excited and I could, I could say, oh my gosh, Disco 2000, top ten song of all time. But in reality, three months from now. If I did the same thing, I might not even think of Disco 2000. Yeah, it might not even cross your mind. And then I'm like, a, am I a liar? Yeah. You know, weird. Yeah. Like, like again, I think Common People might be my favorite single of all time. But if I was putting a list together and I hadn't listened to this album in six months, yeah, it might not even it just cross. Might not occur. Yeah, it just might not occur. Yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a good song. But then once it hits in my headphones, then I'm like, oh, man, this is an amazing song. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyone, if you want to listen to this album or go buy the album, definitely put some headphones on. Get the CD. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or, I guess it's out on record. So yeah, ever, that's probably... Um, it it probably sounds amazing on vinyl. Uh, next, next uh, in two weeks, we'll be out with episode two where we're talking about uh, music we listened to in high school. Cool. Bill and Cody's high school reunion. Yeah. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at OYTGpod, and you can email us at OYTGpod at gmail.com. Suggest topics. We only have maybe half the season planned out. I have a couple I want to share with you. People have been, I have had a All few right. people. So we're going to put a list together. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And again, go support your favorite bands. Go see live music. Uh, again, I said it uh, in last season. I'm seeing a lot more live music this year than I have. And. I was telling you beforehand, these tickets I just bought, it's so expensive to go see live music now, but if you can afford it, it's worth it. It's a great night out, and it's a great way to support these. Like The reason tickets are so expensive for a lot of the bands I want to see is mm-hmm. that they're older. These are like their yeah. last, you know, they're touring on 30-year-old albums. Yeah. I don't mind, I mind Live Nation getting 30% surcharge, Yeah. but I don't mind the band getting, you know, 40, 50 bucks of my money Right. Um, because they've, you know, you're just paying it back. How much? Yeah. How much? How many times have I loved listening to this, these albums? Totally. And there is something different. Like when you listen to, you know, so you listen to this album. I hope you go. At, everybody listens to this album if you've heard this because it is. Listen to it a couple times. One time, just listen to it without listening and thinking, and then allow it to seep in. And it's such a good experience. Give yourself a week with it. Yeah. But um, live, it would be way cooler. Uh, there is a very awesome feeling when you experience live music. You can feel that bass hitting your chest. Yeah. And you can see the person up there who created this thing and they're kind of sharing it with you. Even if it's all pro and it's all, you know, you can tell that they're like doing some sort of mime, you know, right. going through thing. the motions a little bit. Yeah. I still like that. You yeah. know, like uh, live music really is uh, underappreciated. And I think any, I want to go see live music all the time. Yeah. I never do it, but I, I'm going to try to make an effort to get out there more. Yeah. Three shows this month I'm going to. Excellent. Yes. All right. All right. So we'll see you guys in two weeks. See you later.